is a house where no one should live. Woman lived here before you was nuts. Wouldn't be surprised if someone just got fed up and off her. She was my aunt. Heart of gold, though. Coming to you live from a bunker in the Pacific Northwest, this is Mikey. And Carly. And this is the Midnight Picture Show. Hello. Hello, fair listeners. Today, episode four. Yeah, four already. Four already. Got he. Whoop, whoop. Today, we're watch- well, we, this week we watched a movie. Definitely not today. Not today, no. <laughs> had to, I had to write these notes pretty early in the week. <laughs> this episode is based on the movie we watched this week, which is... House. House. There we go. Not Dr. House. Not Dr. House, House, which I had to keep clarifying to Google. Right. I was like, Google, stop. No. (laughs) I had to do House movie, but then there's like a bunch of movies named House. Plus, my like natural, I don't know if it's the librarian in me, but I kept wanting to say The House. The House. It makes more sense. I get. Yeah. The House. Yeah. Maybe they just wanted to like really punch it home with House. House. (laughs) 1985. So I mean, let's let's start let's start this how we start all things with the autopsy report. Uh, first thing here, uh, directed by Steve Miner, who uh, also directed Friday the Thirteenth Part Two and Three. Oh, uh, Lake Placid. You remember that, that movie, the, the giant giant crocodile or whatever yeah. alligator? Yeah, that yeah. was a more recent movie. Yeah, yeah, and Halloween H two O. That was junior high. Yeah. That was like right. 2000. Something. 2000 probably or 99 yeah, something or something. like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 20. Yeah. They were throwing oh, 2K on yeah, every they were throwing, yeah. Yeah. Plus it was like yeah. 20 years from the first one. So that's why. Yeah. So Halloween H2O. Um, obviously uh, very well known for directing and producing in the horror genre. Um, just these. Wow. I, I did not know any of that. That's. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Just these credits here. That um, kind of explains my. How I feel about this movie, yeah. actually. Okay. Yeah. The uh, a really quick, a little snippet in here. I, I I found this out when I was reading about this movie before we watched it, and I was on the fence about adding it because I was like, well, I don't know. I feel like this is going to be a bloated episode because there's there's a lot to talk about. The stunt coordinator for this movie is the legendary Kane Hodder. Now you may not know who this person is, <laughs> yeah, it, it, listeners. And it, when we says legendary, legendary. I'm just like, you need well to known, like the bling, bling. but yeah, Carly looked at me like I was like I immediately sprouted three heads. I already forgot his and name. And Kane Hodder. Kane the Hodder. thing is, not Kane. No, not Kane. Not Kane from WWE. <laughs> as awesome as that would be, no, Kane Hodder. There and and, and those uh, like mo- horror movie fans uh, probably know who this is, but he played Jason. Four times consecutive. Wow. I think okay. from like from so like he's the a third. Big guy. He is. He wow. also what I thought was actually kind of cool. He also was originally cast as Freddy Krueger. Ooh. But they passed him over to go with uh, Robert England. Robert England. Yeah. Um, and him and Robert England are like the are best friends? of friends. Yeah. Like the okay, best. Okay, I do of remember friends. that. Um, I did. I did know that, despite not knowing his name. Yes. Okay. And uh, he also did the motion capture for that Friday the 13th video game. Oh, the one that, the one that freaked the you out. Yeah. <laughs> Carly said the deaths in that in the game were too realistic and it freaked her out. But she was also obsessed yeah, right. with true crime yes. documentaries at the time. Yeah, at the time. So it was, was a lot. 
As far as uh, the actors in this movie, some of the well-known ones, uh, right off the bat, one of the main reasons I wanted to watch this movie was because I saw he was in this, is William Catt, who played Tommy Ross and Carrie, which is... Oh my gosh, I right, forgot. That, I, I forgot mean, that was him. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, when I, when I saw him, I mean, Carrie is in my like top five favorite movies of all time. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw he was in this, I was like, okay, awesome. We're doing this. Yeah. And he was also in a famous TV show in the the early eighties called the greatest American hero for some of our older fans out there. They may be more familiar with this. It ran for about three seasons. I remember when I was in high school, I was watching that show, I Love the 80s, and they talked about all kinds of stuff like this, and I was obsessed with that show for whatever reason. And they talked about this show that the show sucked, but the the, <laughs> the theme song was good. Oh, so they were maybe saying I that, need to hear this theme song. Right, like, but, I mean, it's very, it's very, like, leftover 70s pop stuff. Right. But apparently the theme song was really good. But the show sucked, but I mean, it really couldn't have sucked if it ran for three... Three seasons. Three seasons. Yeah, but no, William Catt, uh, Tommy Ross, and Carrie, and in this movie, he plays a character named Roger Cobb. Uh, also, George Went uh, it was Norm from Cheers. Was it? Yes, it Wait. was Norm from Cheers. George? George Went his next-door neighbor, the annoying one. I thought his name was Harold. That was maybe his name in the... Oh, no, that's what I have on... Okay. Okay! <laughs> That wow. was the character's name. Yeah, no, no. I don't actually. I don't remember I was like, what the character's name is. Who the heck is Harold? Is. No, That's I don't Harold. remember what the. It's Harold, is his yeah, name? Yeah, I looked it up. Yeah, so the actor's name is George Went. He was Norm from Cheers. Got it. And uh, because of being a, a part of the, you know, the cultural phenomenon that was Cheers, yeah. he actually had six consecutive Emmy nominations. Wow. Right at one, right wow. after another. Kay Lentz who was uh, Roger's ex-wife, uh, was a recipient of both a daytime and a primetime Emmy, I believe, the same year. Which wow. is like, okay. whoa. Which is a shame. She's not really in the movie that much. No, she wasn't. But apparently, if you look at her TV credits, it, there's a lot. She did a couple of voice acting stuff for, like, Adventure Time in one or two episodes. What? Right. Her TV, like... Film, this was one of her dabbling into film. She definitely, definitely took off on TV. Uh, I mean, as far as the autopsy goes, that's that's really the nuts and bolts of it. Um, there's a few other things here and there that that will come, you know, when we come across. But now, that's kind of it. On her, that topic of her, right? Um, I thought they were still married. They were just having issues because their son went missing. I, I, well, to me, it was like divorced or separated. Oh, either see, way, I, they were I knew they were. Either way, I knew they were separated. Like they oh. were not living together. Oh no, I thought I thought they were, and that oh. she was just busy with because she in the movie she is an actress, like she plays an right, actress, right? And I thought she was just busy like filming. Do you remember there was that weird scene in the beginning where? She calls she to see what he's award. up to do, yeah, what he's up award. to, and then he was like making it sound like he was at a rowdy bar with the boys. <gasps> yes. Yeah, and so I'm like, what is she? He's she trying wanted, to make her. He, he wanted, wanted to make, make her, her jealous. jealous. I you. Oh, you are correct. Right. Oh, okay. I forgot about that. Well, then that kind of takes care of one of my points later. Boom. Point <laughs> done. Shot. Um. All right. Yeah. So so basically, the 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 rundown of this movie. Uh, for our viewers out here, Roger Cobb, main character, done, over, end of podcast, <laughs> the end, see you later. 
Roger Cobb. He's a Vietnam veteran and a prolific horror author. Him and his wife, Sandy, are separated after their son mysteriously disappears at the aunt's house. Which I don't remember happening. Oh, I remember vividly. Oh, okay. that, and we'll get to that because that, for me, was the only moment in this mm-hmm. of actual terror in this whole movie. For me. Well, no, I do remember because yeah. they were like he was just playing outside. Yeah. Yes, that is terrifying. He was. It, yeah. So. No, you're um, right. You're right. That is terrifying. So his uh, he moves into his aunt's old house after her apparent suicide. While he's there and writing a new book, he has flashbacks about his time in Vietnam, especially with one of his fellow soldiers named Big Ben, who was the bailiff in Night Court. I know nothing of this show, Night Court. It was a, it was a sitcom back in the day. I know nothing of this show except my my mom and grandma were obsessed with it. They would watch Night Court all the time, and Big Ben, it was the a act- fictional show. Yeah, oh. yeah, it was. Yeah, it, and uh, he was the bailiff, and he kind of talked like this, and he was like big, dumb, heart of gold kind of thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, that's all I remember about Night Court. In the in this, he reminded me of Gomer Pyle, but like mean. But yeah, more um, like aware, cognizant. Yeah, right. Um, so while he's in this house uh, writing the stories, writing this this book, he experiences visitors and visitations from monsters and otherworldly creatures. Eventually, he enters the nether realm mm-hmm. and finds and rescues his son. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the whole rundown of this. Now, normally when we're watching these kind of movies, there's usually like a group of stupid, sloppy, horny teens yeah. that are getting killed yeah. left and right. Mm-hmm. Not the case here. Yeah. So usually in these kind of movies, I'll have like notable deaths. Well, there's a main character who it's him against the world. So I don't really have any notable deaths. No I just really... wrote down like notable attacks. Yes, I would agree from with the that. Because no one really died except for the ant committing suicide yeah right right and then obviously like the atrocities of war so you see those scenes and yeah. i mean obviously but not as a result of a haunted house yes the the first third of this movie now i i if you are planning to watch this movie i challenge I you it. to keep this in mind the first third of this movie is a completely different thing than the last two thirds it set me for a spin and I say this because the first third of the movie, uh, I was thinking about this on the way to work. I was like, how can I phrase this? And the only way I could think about it was like, the first third of the movie is, welcome to trauma theater. <laughs> right? Like, you know, the old yeah. masterpiece theaters yeah. from who guys do war, war atrocities, yeah. a separation between husband and wife, and, and the child. mysterious abduction of your child, tickle your fancy. <laughs> Then stay tuned for yeah, Trauma Theater. It, I mean, this guy, Roger Cobb, so he's a, a Vietnam veteran. PTSD. So PTSD, uh, very, very strong, violent memories. Oh, buddy. Okay. Uh, his child goes missing. Yeah. And this is all done in a flashback. But that's the thing is this, to me, was terrifying. This was the most terrifying scene because... He was like working on the house or playing in the, he was doing something in the backyard and his son is behind him just like playing with his toys. Then he looks back and his son's gone. And he wasn't like, it wasn't like he left. Like it wasn't like the Roger left. Like he turned around for five seconds and turned right back around. around. 
And then the other thing that for me was like a visceral terror was a car was speeding away. Yeah. He runs out to the front yard to look for his son. Yeah. And he's like calling his name, looking around. And then you see this like car just like halt, like, like take off. Tearing and, down the street. And then, like, that gripped my... Ch- I was like, oh, my God. This... I'm like, for a parent, yeah. this is... This is why we This is literal hell. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then it kind of flips it on its head because he runs in the backyard and sees there's a pool in the backyard. Oh, my gosh. And he sees his son flailing in the pool. <sighs> so then the then I realized, oh, wow, that car speeding away was a red herring. Yeah. The, he's not now in the car. his son is drowning. That someone is just speeding away for no reason. Yeah. And his son is drowning. So then he jumps in the pool to get him and his son's gone. Oh like, there's no... God. He completely disappeared. Totally gone. So then, of course, you have... You, the the traumatic experience of of their child you know disappearing under Causes such mysterious their to suffer right and it just crumbles and for whatever reason whether they're legally divorced or not they are no longer living together to um, me it seems like going back to like that first conversation we see with them on the phone to me it seems like the wife is the one making an effort mm-hmm. to maintain a relationship with Roger cuz right. she's the one who called him Right. And she's sitting here at like an award ceremony. Right. But she's the one She's who still calls concerned him. Yeah. about him and his mm-hmm. well being. Mm-hmm. I think I think he's just I don't blame him either. Like he's so wrapped up mm-hmm. in like he's being pressured to write this book, being pressured to write another horror book, but he decides to do Vietnam. Right. And he's and, suffering from PTSD. He's suffering from losing his wife. He's suffering from losing his child. Right. Like his and his trauma fans, theater. Trauma theater. His his fans <laughs> his don't like. Aunt just committed suicide. Right, and his his fans don't like the idea that he's writing, mm-hmm. like a, a Vietnam book as opposed to a horror book. Which it's like, it's the same. <laughs> I think I think this guy is more. I I pictured him as kind of like a Stephen King. Me too. Um, yeah. and you know, the Stephen King has written some books like on the craft of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so of course he's a big enough name that people find interest in that, but I oh, can imagine sure. if it was, you know, some kind of genre fan there, they oh, would get yeah. pissed off They'd about like, it. What are you doing? As far as like notable attacks, I, the only reason I'm mentioning these really, um, it, it, they kind of stand out because I think that there's a lot of really cool effects that go into them. And I know that they made eight specific special effect creatures for this movie and i just think that we should just touch on them really quick yeah of course um so first the first creature you see is a a deformed creature that uh kind of looks kind of like a if a human was like stretched and contorted there's like kind of faces there's like multiple faces it just looks like a an amalgamation of a bunch of different decomposed bodies right with long spindly arms yeah. and it lives in the closet but it only comes out at midnight yes i i also like, took note of that yeah it only chime it only it was at midnight like he would open the door all times of the day but the to see if the monster was to, in there right yeah but it was only at midnight only at midnight shortly after that uh garden tools attack him and follow him through the house that's terrifying and they there's one point they even like knock on the door yeah and like he opens the door sentient. right there like it's almost a little poltergeist mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. the movie poltergeist but kind of like just a malevolent spirit you're right that's more like mischief 
mischievous. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like the Weasley's attic. Right, right. <laughs> uh, what's the the ghost from Hogwarts? The Peeves. Peeves. Right. Peeves. Yeah, he's a poltergeist. Yeah, he's yeah. just... Yeah. There's also a... A giant marlin on the wall, a giant sword fit, like a marlin that comes to life. But the thing that I thought was very interesting and kind of creepy is that it comes to life as if it is still alive alive as a fish. It's not like, it's not like, it doesn't come to life and is like, Roger, I see you, I'm evil fish. No, it comes to life and starts like flailing Flailing. as if it's like, why am I on, why am I not in the water? Right, and it's like. And also like in pain. Yeah, and it's like, like squealing and its eyes eyes are just flipping around. And he shoots it with like a, like a shotgun Mm -hmm. and then it's still alive. So he like puts like a towel over its eyes. Yeah. His ex-wife shows up randomly. You'll find out that it's not his ex-wife. His yeah, ex-wife, I was convinced it was. Yeah, I was, I like, was like, oh, here it is. I had an emotional moment. <laughs> his ex-wife shows up and comes in and um, immediately turns into a, a troll hag type creature. Mm-hmm. And he shoots her with a shotgun. And then when he shoots her, the monster with the shotgun, it reverts back to his like wife's human body. body so he drags it inside but then it like comes back to life yeah and he winds up cutting its head off with garden shears yes now we'll go back to this because this is something that really stood out to me and this is something that i like this this affects my rating for this whole Ooh, movie interesting okay also uh there's like a really smoking hot next door neighbor that is swimming in the pool yeah and basically like talks Roger into watching her son Robert, well, this like, little kid. She sa- she makes it sound like want to have dinner. Yeah, like you want to go out on like yeah I, yeah let's have a date. let's have a date and then she just dumps her kid on him totally like and and she expects him to like feed bathe, bathe. like how am I gonna what have some freak? creep uh, like I would washing not trust my kid a man I like anyone anyone that I've never met with my child like oh do you want to bathe my child Who, like. Doesn't Feed he them? even mention to her that his son is missing? So it's like, <laughs> right, like he already has a bad history with kids and you want to leave him yours? Yeah. She clearly doesn't care. Fun fact, I mean, that kid Robert yeah. was the actual director's son. Oh, get out! Because we were watching and there were some times Carly was like, oh, he's scared. He, like the kid was actually the kid, scared. The actor Not like the kid. character. Like he got scared. He got scared. You could just tell yeah. when kids are not acting. Yeah. And I mean, good on... What's I keep wanting to say Tommy, but what's the actor's name? William Cat. William, like good on him because he, like that kind of took me out of the scene, like being able to tell that the kid was legitimately right. scared. Stood but it made me watch the actor because I was like, he's, he is still in the moment. He is still doing this scene, right? But he was being very gentle mm-hmm. with the little boy, and like I think as an actor, he could tell like, okay, this kid's losing it. Right. How can and he I was, like, stay, stay in the, the scene? scene? Right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Don't break character. So, so yeah, there's a uh, a little run-in with uh, Robert, the kid Robert, and that hag troll lady severed hand. Because uh, Roger winds up chopping up yes. the, the troll hag lady after he cuts like, her. Yeah. pieces. The kid gets, I guess, 
what a, an attempted kidnapping by these two yeah. troll gremlin yeah they, they look were, like kids well, kind the movie of descri- not the movie but the summary describes calls them gremlins call them gremlins i mean they don't they look don't like look gremlins like what I would from say a, a gremlin right yeah. they don't look like gremlins from, from like gremlins. <laughs> yeah like mogwai <laughs> no, they don't look gremlins like, yeah they don't look like um they look like, animals they look like leprechauns like yeah, the leprechaun yeah. they look humanoid they don't yeah. look animal they have like weird distorted faces but they look like they dress like kids yeah. like chuck taylor's like yeah. you know eh. um, <laughs> i got this image of garbage pail kids oh they totally could have been like they totally could have been yeah then uh, the bathroom medicine cabinet is revealed to be a portal to the nether, this nether realm, which apparently where all these creatures are coming from. But it's like completely pitch black in there. Right. But it, there's water. Or so, it, it sounds to me yeah, like it looks like it's a very ethereal place. I, there's not a lot of definition. I feel like it could have been a budget saving maneuver. Yeah, for sure. I think it would have been, I think it would have set the scene better if it looked, I mean, it still could have been dark. Right. By all means. But I think it would have been even more creepy if you could just see like a vague outline. Something. Just knowing something is there. Or something. Yeah. Kind of like um kind of like the upside down. Yeah. And where it's just enough as a human where you're like it's just enough wrong. Right. It's, it's recognizable that but makes me yeah. feel uneasy. Uneasy. Yeah. Uh, in this, when he's climbing down into this nether realm that Carly was describing, it's completely black. He's climbing down a rope, and he's attacked by these flying skull bat creatures. Do you remember? Of Zelda. It, well, like the what, keys? Yeah. Well, they, actually, they reminded me of Death Bats, the the logo oh, from Avenged Seven, because they literally look yes. like a skull with wings. But I mean, they were a little more. They, there is like a they did have yeah. like a bat, like lizard, like yeah. body. They did have a body. So it yeah. kind of like a pterodactyl. Imagine like a pterodactyl oh, yeah. with like a demonic human skull head. Yeah. Great. Cool. Um, and the final creature, monster creature thing of this is uh, Big Ben, Zombie Big Ben, yeah. which was his old war I don't even say partner. Friend. Yeah, I wouldn't really see friend. They have a weird relationship. They had a weird relationship. Cut- Comrade? Not comrade, uh, platoon, squad member. Yeah, I don't even know. What true fellow soldier. I don't want to say friend. Like I'm staying no, so far they, away from. They friend are not friends. They are not friends. Uh, so so basically, part of Roger's PTSD and memories of Big Ben stem from the fact that Big Ben is injured uh, in the field. He gets shot in the jungle by the Viet Cong. And he is going to be taken away. The Viet Cong are coming like, for them. Yeah, it's like known that unless you are killed, you're going to be you're going to be tortured to death. And yeah. so he gives Roger this big, you know, machete, like a machete, K bar, some kind of knife, yeah. and tells him, "Kill me, or I'm going to be tortured." Like, yeah. Well, and what stood out to me is the whole time leading up to that, any scene you see of Big Ben, he's like this machismo, right? Like. Like, yeah, I'll walk into the line of fire. I don't freaking care. Right. But in that scene, when he knows, unless I die, I'm going to be tortured, he is crying. He is like, yeah. He is like weeping. Flip the script. Yeah, like. On Big Ben. Complete uh, 180. Yeah. You know? And that really stood out to me. And so, yeah, Roger can't do it. He can't do it. He, he puts the knife up to his goes throat. To do, yeah, and he can't. And, like, Big Ben's begging him to do it. And then... Uh, Roger, the Viet Cong end up 
showing up and right. Roger just runs away. Roger runs away. And he hears Big Ben being like dragged off. Yeah, you see him being screaming, pulled off. Which is like that is really visceral to me. Like that happened to people. Yeah. Going off of that last point you were making, it's I, I read that in nineteen eighty PTSD officially became listed as like a, an actual mental disorder according to like the National Psychological That's Association. To me. And so mm-hmm. it, they finally like put a name mm-hmm. to what soldiers from eons oh, yeah. have been describing. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just soldiers, like, you know, you can have PTSD from, from car it. accidents, yes. childhood things, like everything. Mm-hmm. But I think this is this is really interesting that they did this. And and I also was interested to see when like like really serious Vietnam movies came out like Platoon and then you have like Full Metal Jacket and like the you know those that were kind of like you know war is hell kind of uh-huh. genre kind of showed the population like this is what was experienced right and I mean yeah it's dramatic because it's a movie mm-hmm. but it was it was on truth it right. was you Hamburger know accurate. Hill. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and so I think a lot of these movies, but a lot of those movies came out later. Those were kind mm-hmm. of late 80s pushing into the 90s. Definitely not, you know, smack dab in the 80s like this one, which, you know, of course was made, this movie was filmed and stuff around 1984 and right. whatnot. But you know what? Enough of the horror, <laughs> the horrors of war and the trauma. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what this is about. This well, is what this is. I mean, it is like an allegory for the movie, though. Right. Okay, the first third of this movie is trauma theater. And then the second half, second, like, two-thirds, probably the middle. The middle third. We're okay? talking about fourths and thirds? For, uh, the, the quadrant oh, of the whoa. sophistication. Okay. <laughs> the, the middle of this movie is, like, almost like a Benny Hill... Right. Yes, like like <laughs> Benny Hill comedy, and so so it was weird. It was a weird departure. So the garden tools attack him. His ex wife comes in. She turns into the drag. The the um uh, the I was gonna say the troll drag, but it makes sense. It's like a troll in drag. Yes, it's like a troll it in totally drag. Was. Yeah. Yes. And so he cuts her head off with. The garden shears, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not even kidding. There is a literal music montage after this, yeah, of it him was so weird. burying her body parts mm-hmm. after chopping her up, and like, but it was like upbeat music. It was. It was like it was a weird eight, like '80s movie montage. '80s movie montage, and then basically from this point on, it it turns into like a slapstick, goofy comedy, which is why. Like when you look up the movie, it's called horror comedy. And, right, and and I've 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 come to realize that horror comedy is like like quickly becoming one of my favorite genres. Hence because, this podcast. Hence this podcast. <laughs> There's a whole reason this was started. It's like becoming one of my favorite genres because I like a little. I like to be scared a little bit. Mm-hmm. Atmospheric uh-huh. stuff. I don't yeah. like jump scares uh-huh. all that much. Mm-hmm. I feel they're, they're cheap. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I think this movie started out very very heavy. If they wanted to do the horror genre, the horror comedy genre, I feel like we got too deep in the hole. To so c- when climb it came back out. right, yeah. right. If it was like, you know, just a divorce 
and you're like, ah, oh, man, this guy is, you know, hidden, you know, it's it's hard. But, okay, so we have traumatic war experiences. We have a mysterious child. Chi- child abduction. Suicide. We have, right, all this kind Ooh. of stuff. Yeah, heavy. Heavy, deep, deep, and deep, then all real sudden- stuff. Benny Hill's the perfect. It, that's what that's analogy. what I pictured because yeah. I'm like, okay, he cut her head off, and I'm like, oh, and it really okay. was from that point. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was the the turning mm-hmm. point, and then from that point on, like when he, uh, you know, the hot neighbor, when the hot neighbor comes over, it, it was almost like a college, like a teen mm-hmm. college movie, you know, where there's all, you know, you could tell by what the director's trying to do by the gaze you know what i'm saying yeah. you look yeah you look at where where the director wants you to look and i mean this this very attractive woman was swimming in the pool and she gets out and it literally looks her up and down just mm-hmm. like in fast times at ridgemont high like yeah she's in the pool you yes. know up and down just looking at her and then when they come on this date you know she really kind of duped him and is going on a totally. date with someone else yeah and that in itself is a comedy yeah, bit. Of course. It's like, oh, you think the hot girl wants to go on a date with you? Nope, really, she wants you to watch her kids yeah. so she can go, mm-hmm. you know, boink well, the hot of, like, buff dude. There were a lot of like one liners from, oh, from the from the decapitation on. Yes. And like the only one I can think of off the top of my head was with Big Ben mm-hmm. when he comes back, you know. This is a little bit of a spoiler, I guess. I'm right. jumping ahead a little bit. But Big Ben is comes back. And he says, like, something along the lines of, like, I come all the way back from the dead and I don't have any ammo. Or, like, I'm all out of ammo and I came all the way here kind of thing. Yeah. Because he's, like, trying to shoot and, like, he doesn't have ammunition. He doesn't have ammo. And I was like, go- that was a throwaway state. Like, we like, didn't need to know that. a supernatural being. Yeah, like, that was really dumb. I, I do have to mention about the Big Ben zombie getup. The mask was not good. It because sucks because the rest of it looked good. It did. From a they, distance. It was such a simple thing they could have done to hide his mouth. So basically, I think it looked good. Nothing was covering his pink mouth. Right. So as soon as he starts talking, you can see the black makeup. And On you the can lips. see his tongue and his teeth and, and his everything. his teeth and everything. And then, all they had to do was put black film. Like black Like a black sheer, mesh yeah. over the mouth. The mouth, Easy. the zombie mouth on the mask was too wide. Uh-huh. It's one of those things in movies that just take me out of it. Like every time yes. I see a phone number and it's five 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 one two one two, I'm like, oh, and there we go. I don't care if I'm in the middle of watching, you know, Avengers Endgame or <laughs> you know, yeah. Forrest Gump. The minute I see five five five, I'm like, ah, damn it, I'm watching a movie. This yes, time. yeah. The first third of this movie was was like a very serious, like almost almost like a Lifetime movie where it was just pure drama. Yeah, it, really it was so was. dramatic. Yeah. Then, like, the la- the middle and the end basically turned into, like, Evil Dead 2. Mm, it was, like, yeah. just mm. chaos and goofiness and, you know, crazy practical effects. And to the point where I was like, are they stealing from Evil Dead 2? But then oh. I looked it up. This movie came out in 1985. Uh-huh. Evil Dead 2 came out in 1987. Ooh. Now, check this. Garden Tools, both chase the main character right uh-huh. there is an animal a mounted animal that comes <gasps> to life uh-huh. in both yes okay yeah there's also an ex-lover that comes back to life because mm-hmm. remember yep. when you uh-huh. too when she's dancing yep. 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 and her yep. head spinning and all yes. that yes okay huh. okay there are a lot of similarities between these parallels, two yeah. very a lot of parallels and i think 
you know, mm. I, I'm I not. I didn't think about that. Well, I didn't. I didn't either until I saw it. I mean, obviously, there's no, you know, the laughing room scene oh from my. Evil Dead Two. When we do Evil Dead Two, because we're gonna at oh, some course, point, we yeah. have to. Yeah. That scene is probably like in the top ten most terrifying scenes of my. It, yeah. In my, for my own personal reason, I'm not saying it's legitimately scary. I think it's no, scary but I think for mentally, reasons. For me. Yeah. But yeah. we'll get to that when we get to When that. we get there. <laughs> I mean, I think that that's kind of like the meat and potatoes for this particular movie for me. I think the, fir- uh, the first third of the movie was very serious. The middle was this kind of goofy, off-the-wall kind of comedy. The end is this big reveal that Ben was the mm-hmm. one who kidnapped Which the son. Which is... <laughs> And, and he was, like, orchestrating this really whole thing the whole time. So, I mean, to be completely honest, I really enjoyed this movie. Okay. I actually legitimately really enjoyed it. Good. But that was the thing that I was, like... So, all of a sudden, Big Ben is there. And right. he's, like, a zombie or whatever the heck he is. Has he been orchestrating this? Like, has right. he been the one haunting this house this entire time? Uh-huh. He's the reason the ant committed suicide. Right. Tormenting the ant. If that's the case, cool. All right, fine. Whatever. Yeah, okay. Um, but why, if the whole purpose was to come back and haunt Roger, why was it the aunt's house and not Roger's house? I see you that wasn't I mean? really and made clear also, to me. also, it's so many years removed mm-hmm. from when he actually died. Right. So how why would, now? why now? And how would the spirit, let's say, of Big Ben have located Roger, let alone his aunt, yeah. to haunt it? You know what I mean? I, I yeah. was so 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 so. One of my absolute favorite mo- horror movies is Poltergeist. Right. I love that movie. Um, and one thing I like about it is it's very. Um, it it makes you think, mm-hmm. and it is does not treat the audience like you're stupid. Right. It doesn't spell everything out for you. It lets you decide on your own. And so, like this portal portal to hell, that's what I I was kind of thinking that that is what was behind the medicine cabinet right in this is maybe that is hell and it's not expressly said to you so it's like up to you to make up your mind which i appreciate right same with like why does everything happen at midnight i don't need to know i just recognize that they showed us a few times it happens to be midnight when stuff comes out of this closet okay I've accepted yeah, right. it. Not everything cool. requires a backstory. I don't need you to explain that to right. me. I I'm get looking it. at you, Bad Batch. Especially I'm because, at you, Bad Batch. <laughs> especially because midnight is always the idea of that's the witching hour. Right. If it was like five in the morning, then yes, please, please explain to me why yeah. the door to hell opens at five thirty-two uh-huh. in the morning. <laughs> right. Right. But midnight makes sense. Um. So then I was thinking, okay, so let's just say hypothetically, this blackness void is hell. And somehow, Big Ben's been in hell. I don't know why he would be in hell, but he's been in hell. And that is how he was able to transcend time and find where Roger was at this time. Right. That's where my mind went. <laughs> I, I mean, th- see, that's the thing is, it, the, it could have helped with a little guidance. A little bit. I think it, when, so we know that. The last time Roger sees his son, he's flailing in the pool. Oh, God. Roger jumps in after him, and then he disappears. Then, when Roger climbs into the netherworld through the the mirror, the the Mm -hmm, bathroom mm -hmm. medicine cabinet Mm -hmm. mirror, he finds his son in a 
uh, bamboo cage. <gasps> yeah, which but it looked is, like Vietnam. It was. It, I yeah. mean, it, he goes in and, and like Roger's like in the jungle again. I have this feeling that I feel like they're trying to paint a picture that that hell is your memories. I would agree with that. That yeah. mm-hmm. that the wor- you know, the most terrifying things in in the world are are the monsters you make in your head. Yes, right? absolutely. And I, but but like okay, great. If we were going off of that first third of the movie, awesome. Yeah. But we're not. But after we've already gotten goofy little yeah. montage, yeah. chopping heads yeah. off with cleavers, yeah. a disembodied hand running around like yeah. the like thing from yeah, Adam's, Adam's family. family. Like I mean, and two little gremlin kids, yeah. you know, and goofy music and and hot babes coming out of pools. Like, great. Like it's it just almost it, seems as if they got a new director, which I know they didn't. Right. But that's what it felt like. What is it? The original writer for this wrote the script. There was no comedy whatsoever. Yeah, right. You told me that. Then uh-huh. it was rewritten mm-hmm. and And they added and the they comedy. added a whole bunch of comedy. They and I and I feel it. like it's so because the the whole atmosphere, the pacing, the tension. There were times where I'm I'm I was sitting and watching this movie and you know, it's nighttime and you know, we're fairly inebriated, you know. <laughs> we're just hanging out, have a little, you know? have a little drink, have yeah. a little drink, whatever. Watching this and, and kicking back. And all. Yeah. And there were some times where, you know, uh, Roger's like creeping down the hallway and, and it's like, you know, looking into all these rooms Ooh. and these doors and there's these shadows and lights. And, and I'm like, I don't know. I felt, I, I like, there was a point where I was like, ooh, something's going to jump out. This is mm-hmm. creepy. It makes you uncomfortable. And then after... You know, when he cut her head off with the garden it. shears, then it I was, was like... I was no longer... I was at ease. Yeah, I, was I like, agree. Oh. I, then for the rest of the movie, I was like, I know that stuff is scary, quote unquote. Right. Ooh, but I felt spooky. comfortable. Yeah. I didn't feel, like, nervous. Yeah, from that point mm-hmm. on, I was like, oh, killer clowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. really, like, from killer clowns from outer space, I watched that, mm. and I'm never afraid of a jump scare or like, no, oh, I'm right. really going to be scared, which is kind of what I like about it. But yeah. this, this I was expecting more, so... It's time for my rating. Oh, my I rating. Don't even, I don't even know what my rating is going to be. It has to be some kind of bunnies. Well, of course. I'm going to say out of flying, out of five flying garden tools. Okay. I'm giving it a two. Really? Two out of five. Yeah. Oh no. I'm giving it that low of a score. The only reason I didn't give it a one, the the two star, the two flying garden tools is. For the actors, because I think everyone did a pretty oh, good job. Oh, I think job, they were good. Yeah. Uh, you know, doing the best they could yeah. with the script yep. and, and the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And a freaked and, out kid. And a freaked out <laughs> kid, right, of course. And the other gar- flying garden tool goes to the special effects team. Yes, I would agree Just because a minus Big Ben's mask, which kind of took me out of it, I felt like they the the creatures they created were really cool. I think it's something that if you know they those kind of things are generic enough, they could put them in other yeah. other movies. Or I know this this eventually became a series, right? And I think you told me that the series really does go comedy. They're full blown, yeah. like yeah. So I mean, we'll we'll, we'll see. We eventually. might we might pop in and have a, a house marathon because <laughs> I think there's like four of them. Oh wow! Or like house two, three, four, or two and three. So, so yeah, uh, two out of five flying garden tools. Um, for me, I would say I would actually give it a four. Four. A four out wow. of five dismembered bunnies. Dismembered bunnies. Yeah. Okay, that makes um, sense. And 
the 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 reason it's not five um is because I feel like the movie as a whole just felt rushed. Like I which is why so many things were wrong with it. Um, like the comedy situation, Mm -hmm. the um Big Ben's mask. Right. Like some of those little things for me. And I I do really think that if that they had something really good to work with, if they just took the time, not even money, if they just took the time to really sit and polish it, I think it would have been a really, like, good movie. Yeah. Um, what I really, I keep going back to this, but what I really, really appreciate, which is why I give it a higher rating, and why I would watch it again, is because I don't feel like, as a viewer, I was being patronized. They gave me a story, they didn't explain stupid things about it, they just gave you the story, or they allowed you to immerse yourself in it and make of it what you will. I thought it was very um, thought-provoking. Okay. Yeah. Like, a perfect example is uh, the ant. We don't know anything about the ant. Like, they're kind of giving you hints. Like, she lived in this house. She knew it was haunted. And she committed suicide. Mm. But as you are following Roger throughout the house he discovers these paintings that she made. Right. Never focuses on them. They're just in the background. They're just there. Some of them you don't even see unless you... If if you don't... You're not looking for them, you'll never see them. But as you see them a few times, you go, oh my gosh, those are the possessed farm tools. Yeah. Like gardening tools. Oh, and that's the Marlin Apollonia guy. Yeah. And so like... That was really cool to me that they would just put that... that, clever. They never addressed it. It was just in there. And then you go oh my God, she experienced all the same stuff he's experiencing. Right. And it resulted in her committing suicide. So now, what if Roger can't solve this mystery mm-hmm. and he commits suicide? That's his only option. That Right. So that's, I mean, I really like that part of it. Just like why I like Poltergeist, I think, is very cerebral. Right. And so that's what I appreciated with this. It was the details oh, that totally. gave it a high score. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just really wish they had not added the comedy in yeah. there. Yeah. I it the the change of pace going from this traditional horror kind of trauma filled mm-hmm. thing. I think what Carly's getting to cuz you know traditionally comedy movies run faster yeah. than dramas, yeah. you know. I think that if they were to have been a little more mindful of their timing mm-hmm. and pacing on the first third, mm-hmm. they would have given you what you wanted mm-hmm. and slowed mm-hmm. it down a little mm-hmm. bit to kind of draw it out. But no, I mean, uh, my my rating still stands for me. Yeah. I still give it two out of five. I say four. Um, but I respect four that four because um, she is right. Those paintings, well, they never really meant, they only mentioned it. It only became a plot point in the end, but they were there. They were there. They the were whole there time. and you saw them. Especially, like, tying it all together with um, Vietnam and PTSD, it kind of made me wonder, too, by the end, like, all of this was in his head the entire time mm, because it's how he mentally might, is dealing with PTSD. That 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 was a... I was mm-hmm. actually thinking mm-hmm. on those lines. And, like, it maybe it's like but yeah. his kid didn't actually go missing. Right. But would rather disappear into the house and play on his own than be around his crazy scary dad who's experiencing mm, PTSD. Right, right. And then him coming to terms with his PTSD was when he was able to, quote unquote, find his son in this blackness, in this deep hole. And not only that, he became his son's hero because he saved him. Damn. That's what I'm saying. Wow. Like, I could, okay, looking at it from Carly, I mean, <laughs> I still stand on my 2.5, two, and a, 2 out of 5. 
But thinking about it from yeah. Carla's perspective really kind of puts a new spin. Literally crawling through the darkness, literally yes, fighting yes. monsters of your past. I think it was all um, wow. an analogy. See, now this really bums me out that the that two and three I are just know. like complete goofy slapsticks. We gotta watch. We gotta see for ourselves. I do. I want to see, and I'll take those with their own their own grain of salt. Yeah, their we'll own see. Um, worth. I'm not gonna compare them to the first one. All right, fair listeners. Well. We're wrapping this up, but, um, you know, I got to give you a little taste. <laughs> a little taste. I need to what know what we're, we're watching next, next time. I next... never know until this moment. And that's why I like it. I like doing this. Uh, okay, are you ready? Yeah, yes. The I'm next. Bated breath. With bated breath. The next movie we are going to watch, it's a classic. It has legends in it. Legends. Have I heard of it? Maybe. <laughs> Ca- legends. Caps Lock. Bold Italic. Times New Roman. Okay. The Creeping Flesh. Oh, I have heard of this. Yes. Yes. Okay. Legends. I know nothing. Uh, I just we'll, know we'll get the into name. it. We'll we'll uh, and as soon as we get, pop it in, you're gonna be like, yes. Can I'm I ask ready. one question? What is it? Black and white? No, it's from the 70s. I think it's 73. Oh, snap. I was thinking it was older. This is the oldest movie we've reviewed so, so far. So far. No, but I thought it was older than that, actually. Yeah, oh, okay, no, cool. It's cool. 70, it's like 73 Legends. Ooh, I'm excited. It's going to be I'm dope. excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. Cool. All right, listeners. Well, thank you for tuning in. This is Mikey. And Carly. And this has been the Midnight Picture Show. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs>